0: Welcome to episode 346 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show has worked in the IT industry for 40 years. His roles have included software developer, systems administrator, project manager, and technical consultant, to name but a few. He has a particular interest in integrating devices and systems to increase the value of the overall solution. And he likes to share what he's learned with the developer community through blogs, videos, live streams, podcasts, and books. So it's my absolute pleasure to welcome to the podcast, Chuck Tomasi. Well, thank you very much, Phil. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm delighted you could be on. Um, so Chuck, obviously that gives you, gives people a bit of a flavor of your background and and. Um, you know, your contribution and, and how you like to be engaged with the community. But but could you tell us a little bit about your your current role and what, what you're currently doing? Absolutely. My my primary role right
1: now as a developer advocate is to create content and community for our customers, our partners, and our even our internal developers. And and like you said, I do this with blogs and videos and live streams and even books. Uh through that, I drive adoption and enablement and even advocacy. My dream is to have our customers sit at the table, our developers sitting at the customer's table and say, we want to use ServiceNow for this next project. And over the the past 10 years of making this content, I've built up a bit of celebrity status in our developer community. And some like to say, Chuck's the face of ServiceNow. And while I appreciate that compliment very much... I truly consider our developers to be those heroes.
0: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. That, that makes perfect sense. But but so why did why did that why do you think that came about? Why do you think you're now considered to be the face of ServiceNow? So presumably when people think of ServiceNow within the developer community, they think of you.
1: I think it's just early adopter syndrome. I've been doing this kind of thing, like I said, for almost 10 years. And through that, there was that recognition. Nobody else was really doing a lot of videos where their face was on the screen. There may have been some you know, videos with slides and demos and whatnot, but I think really putting your face out there helps that recognition and that helps build that community. They feel like, hey, I've got a relationship with this person. And now with podcasts and even more videos, I am more than happy to have multiple advocates on the team doing the same thing and, and building a stronger community.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's that personal connection, isn't it? It's that, that's the difference.
1: It really is. I mean, even just listening to your podcast, I feel like, hey, got to know a little bit more about you and the guests that you have on. It's it's kind of that, it's a it's a very intimate experience.
0: Yes, indeed. Okay, um, so Chuck, can you share with us a career tip, one that the audience may not be aware of and perhaps should be? I'm
1: sure they should be, and I hope they are. Uh, This one came to me mm, about 15, 20 years ago. It's all about people. So careers are built on two things, results and relationships. And like many, I was focused on the results in my early technical career. And once I was able to put some attention on relationships, that's when things really started to move. It was one of those one plus one equals three moments. And it doesn't matter if you're the smartest person in the room, if nobody knows what you've done or how you can help them. And knowing tech is great. And if you really want to be the hero, you have to listen to people and help them achieve their desired outcomes. Just go beyond being just that technical specialist. And through the relationships, that's how you become that trusted advisor.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's a great phrase and one I'd like to to use as well. So, as you say, it's being the being the, the person who's known, if you like, mm-hmm. and therefore respon- yeah, respected, is known to be knowledgeable. And and if you don't let people know that you are knowledgeable, how are they ever gonna gonna know to come to you?
1: I discovered some of this just accidentally. <laughs> I was like, right. hey, I've got a video to share a great idea or an app I built or this integration between things. And I put a video out there and people loved it. And then suddenly
0: I'm famous. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> Certainly well known. Definitely. Good. Okay. So, Chuck, can you tell us about your worst career moment and what you learned from that experience? <laughs> this, is, this is like that greatest weakness question. It is <laughs> a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I I always like to tell people we learn from our mistakes and let's just say I've learned a lot. Uh, here's a fairly recent one from a couple of years ago. We were preparing for our annual ServiceNow conference. We call it Knowledge. This was 2019 and I was leading a team of eight volunteers to create these hands-on step-by-step labs. People come into the room. They Get a lab guide, they've got a ServiceNow instance, and they go through these things step by step, and they have to be absolutely perfect. Otherwise, you run the risk of everybody getting lost and frustrated and they leave. Well, some of these people that were building for me had I'd worked with before, and you know, they're pretty smart people. So I had utmost confidence into them. We we were about 10 weeks into the assignment. Or, I'm sorry, we had 10 weeks to do the assignment. And each was assigned their own lab to create and construct and test. And it, it's about a 40 to 60 hour effort to do all of this, to build the story and write the step-by-step lab guide and create and test the machine configuration and so on. So, Well, I noticed several of the volunteers were not attending our weekly stand-up meetings. And when I asked for updates in status emails, they were basically radio silent two weeks, you know where this is going, right? (laughs) Two weeks before the conference, not one, but two of the volunteers contacted me and let me know that they couldn't complete their work. And worse yet, they hadn't even started. So I ended up creating those two lab guides. I've done this a number of times before, so I was able to cut into that 40 to 60 quite a bit. I did it in five days, including burning an entire weekend, and I was not a happy camper or a good spouse at that point. So the the lesson learned I got out of all of this is when you're looking for resources for a project, always start with the management. Go as high as you can go on the org chart and ask for their rock stars. We did our 2022 conference recently. The people showed up. They got the work done with no issue of competing priorities because management signed them up for this. Yeah, They collaborated amongst themselves. And my favorite part, when problems came up, these are the rock stars. They took the lead and just let me know the status and the outcomes. I was simply there in case there were any roadblockers. It was such a refreshing change of pace from that experience in 2019.
0: Yes. And why, why do you think that's, that happened? Or why do you think that's the case that you need to go to the sort of the management layer to enable it to actually happen? There, there must be what? some sort of social dynamic involved there.
1: It's, it's a resource allocation thing. I mean, if people are volunteering, they're, they're not, uh, let me try that again. I think it's just a a, a dedication and resource. Some cases it may be a protective thing. We have a pretty good relationship with our product managers and and our solution consultants. And when I ask the independent people, hey, who would like to help? They're kind of doing it on a borrowed time thing. They know they've got a day job and this is a side job. If I go to management, they say, this is now part of your day job. They will get it done. And if I ask for their rock stars, then, you know, I know I'm getting the best resources I can rather than just whatever I can scratch off the floor.
0: Yes, exactly. Great. Okay. And, and Chuck, can you tell us about your career highlight?
1: That would have to be our most recent Service Now Knowledge conference this past May. I was able to host the keynote in, our New, Yo- in New York and Sydney. Uh, I emceed several other activities, including a session where people shared their Lessons Learned, you know, those stories where you made an error and then what you learned from it, kind of what we were just talking about. <laughs> we, we had fun learning together. We played Jeopardy, which is a popular TV trivia game show here in the US. We even sang karaoke. And it, those latter two were applications that I had built on our platform. So it was just a fun way to show off those kinds of things. To be the MC for our keynote has been a goal of mine for about a decade. And it was, it was a fun journey to get there. Again, one of those career aha moments where you're going, well, this wasn't that hard once you connect the dots. I talked to my management about my goals so that they could work with me. I took small steps such as hosting our digital events because we didn't have any in-person conferences during COVID. So we had digital ones and I offered to do that. And then I also identified who was responsible for making the decision about the MC and, and getting on stage, and I formed a relationship with them. So putting those three together enabled the success that I had this past May.
0: Right. Okay. That's good. That's really good to hear. Um, and, and Chuck, what excites you about the future of this industry and careers in IT?
1: Oh my goodness. There, there is so much opportunity out there today, and it's only increasing. To, to be someone who spots an opportunity to, to make an app or design a new system or create a website that has a positive impact on lives is just an amazing thing. Design and development of all of this has really been democratized. It's no longer a requirement to have that electrical engineering or computer science degree to create something of, of value to others in your organization or, or even your own family. You can, you can go out to these websites that you know, stand up a system and now I'm you know, organizing statistics on the family farm, for example, yes. or putting together the company Picnic. It, it, it's it's such a different story than it was you know, 15, 20 years ago.
0: Yeah, not very true. Yeah, I think, as, I mean, as you say, it's not necessary, is it, to have that sort of formal tech or computer science degree behind you, it, it's, it's more open now. I suppose the access to the, to the industry is far easier than it probably was 10, 15, 20 years ago, and even more. Yes,
1: there seems to be a big focus on low-code capabilities, Yeah, and that may be a podcast for another time. Yes. But a lot of platforms have low-code capabilities not only to introduce new people to the power of their particular software suite, but also... Uh, as an accelerator for the people who are experienced like me I've been doing this for almost 40 years and I can get things done a lot faster. I recently rebuilt an application in a fraction of the time using low code capabilities than I did just 10 years ago yep. when it was a lot more scripting and a lot more database access. I'm like, wow,
0: this is where was this when I was a kid? absolutely. Good. Okay. We're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. Okay. Ready for this? Ready. All right. So what first attracted you to a career in IT?
1: Back in the early 80s, our, our school had a new computer programming course, and I had absolutely no idea. So I thought I'd give it a try. And it was there that I discovered that making the computer do what I wanted was actually a lot of fun. And I found that computers and programming in particular combined the best of that logical thinking and creativity. And I would I would stay after school for hours and hours copying the examples out of the hard copy manuals back then. I'd tweak them a little bit and learn how things worked. And I started to find some other friends who were equally interested and we started sharing ideas. We eventually formed a computer club and I was their first president. So you can see the, the, the writing on the wall back then of learning and sharing and community.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what's the best career advice you've ever received?
1: Oh my goodness. This is, this is something I learned. One of those things that I knew, but I, I, I heard it and it was like, yes, Absolutely. Trust is the ultimate currency, and I've learned to build trust, to be honest and open, even when things are going bad, because if you try to hide or obfuscate an issue, it's only going to get worse, and somebody will find out, and you may never recover. As, As our CEO, Bill McDermott, likes to say, trust is earned in drops and lost in buckets.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But it could be lost very quickly, definitely. And what is the worst career advice you've ever received? Oh,
1: you're gonna love this one. <laughs> right? <laughs> it goes against what Janet said in your episode 341. Oh, okay. She, she said that one of the best pieces of advice she got uh, was it's better to beg forgiveness than ask permission. Yeah. And I respect differing opinions, and I'm going to be a differing opinion this time the problem i have with that statement is that many people don't understand that there is a huge missing qualifier that assumes you know the how to measure risk and you understand the consequences if things go sideways or or as you like to say pear-shaped now, like many in my career i was not good at assessing risk and consequences <laughs> right <laughs> in my early days and more than once i leapt without looking and sometimes it backfired. So I learned to take an approach that was less cowboy and more collaborative. And now that I've been doing this a while, I like to think I'm better at risk management, but I still collaborate with others to get a better view before taking action. Even if it's just running an idea past a teammate to get their thoughts on, hey, I've got this impulsive idea. What do you think? A new perspective is always appreciated.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I think it's a good point, actually, picking up the the risk is a, a significant factor, if particularly if you want to do something that, yeah, that you may not have approval for. Understanding what the potential consequences are is, is very important, definitely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good job. <laughs> yes. Um, so if you were to begin your career again in today's world, what would you do? I'd probably still end up in the developer space somewhere.
1: And I would continue to share what I learned. It, that's just who I am. There, there are a couple of things I would change, though. First, I would find a mentor and a coach much sooner. This is something I learned later in my career and wish I had had it earlier. I don't think enough people really leverage mentors as much as they should. And when I started way back in the 1980s, the choices for IT were, let's face it, fairly narrow. Uh, now we've got things like mobile Security operations, cloud, microservices, integrations, architects, all kinds of different things. And just identifying an area of interest can be daunting. So I would find someone who could help me focus my interests and quickly become a trusted expert. that that stuff is invaluable. The second thing I would do is get involved with whatever communities are related to my industry, so I could learn faster and become a known quantity, a known player in that space. I think the communities are just hugely valuable.
0: Yeah, they are. Absolutely. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? Currently,
1: I'm I'm working on creating and maintaining relationships inside and outside of our company. We are a rapidly growing company. When I started uh, in, in 2010, we had just under 200 employees and I heard this past week that we've got over 19,000 now. It's it's ridiculous. Uh, that offers me an opportunity to take on a leadership role within our developer relations team, which includes growing the team globally, currently in the US, but we are looking at growing globally and setting up that team for success, which includes, obviously, succession planning. Also, looking at ways of not only managing our developer content better, but socializing it internally so that others recognize the value of our team and what we bring to the business. Like I said before, if nobody knows your work, (laughs) it doesn't do you any good. So I'm, I'm always working on building those internal relationships and saying, who needs to know about this particular podcast that we did on their product? And how does that impact what we're doing? And does it align with the objectives that business unit has? So it's not just the technical support, but when when I do content, I need to be looking at it with that same perspective.
0: Yeah, that makes sense, definitely. And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? That would probably
1: be being able to translate complex technical information into a level appropriate for the audience. My One of my favorite stories is, I remember years ago, my 80 year old grandmother, may she rest in peace. She was a music teacher all her life. She was not technical. And she asked me before she passed, what's the difference between hardware and software? So I came up with a metaphor or an analogy that worked in her language. I told her the hardware is like a player piano. You've got a standard set of keys, strings, and so forth. And the software was those scrolls you put in the piano. Each one was a set of instructions to tell the piano what song to play. And she got it. She got it. I, I like to use analogies and I use them a lot when I'm relating technical concepts or abstract concepts.
0: That's good. Very good. And Chuck, what, what do you do to keep your own career energized? I think it's just knowing that I'm making
1: a positive impact on people's lives. I, I won't lie. I get a kick out of seeing the mentions and personal thank you messages on social media that say, hey, I got a certification or a new job or a promotion due to your videos. Yeah. Just making that positive impact. Somebody sent me a wonderful email last week that I, of course, sent to my boss and up the food chain as far as I could go and say, hey, you know, people like what I do. I want to keep doing it. That's definitely a reason to get out of bed in the morning.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And what do you do in your spare time away from technology?
1: <laughs> I'm one of those sick individuals who's never far away from technology. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> yes, I think most of us are in this industry, but you must must have some other interests. I, I
1: do a couple of yeah. podcasts for fun, and that's where a lot of this started. I started doing podcasting, and that became the DNA of my job. Uh, I'm the co-author of Podcasting for Dummies, I'm always working yes. on some app as a, as a as a side project or an integration for fun that that keeps my skills sharp as well as uncovers new content ideas and and the reverse is true as well what I do for my day job feeds back into those skills for the hobbies now aside from that uh, my wife and I like to travel I've been married for 34 years two grown uh, two grown daughters uh, we like to experience new places cultures uh, just hanging out with friends on a cruise is always fun as well. That being said, yes. even when I'm on a cruise, my radar is never completely off. I'm always looking for inspiration. for example, uh, a recent cruise i I, I was getting ideas uh, that might work out in our next conference or how we can improve our podcast it's It's always fun to to keep that inspiration alive.
0: yeah, absolutely and And Chuck, can you share with us a parting piece of career advice?
1: yes along the themes of relationships even if you consider yourself an introvert stick out your hand and say hello in real life or digitally build and maintain those relationships because you never know where your next career opportunity may come from it definitely helped me in 2010 i was uh, i started a discussion with a woman named gail about our laptop bags and a few days later Days later, I was, I was unexpectedly let go from my company that I've been with for 22 years. I called Gail on the phone. I said, I have to cancel our appointment tomorrow. She gave me my first job lead less than an hour after I was let go. And it's, it's those kinds of, <laughs> hi, I like your laptop bag, discussion, discussion, discussion. And then you know, a few days later, you're getting a job lead. Those are the things that unexpectedly pay huge returns.
0: Yes, exactly. They can happen, definitely. Um, and, and Chuck, most importantly, how can we find out more about you and connect with you? Well, the hub of
1: my web universe is chucktomasi.com, C-H-U-C-K-T-O-M-A-S-I. It's got the personal stuff. It's got the career stuff, social media, GitHub repo, podcasts, books, videos, yep. even some fun photos.
0: Great. Chuck, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you.
1: It's been an honor and nice to be on the other side of a podcast interview for a change. I truly <laughs> appreciate what you do for the community, Phil.
0: Hi, Phil here again. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with today's guest. You can find full show notes on the website at itcareerenergizer.com slash e and the number of the episode you've been listening to. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, Please make sure that you do so that you get episodes automatically downloaded to your device every Monday. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.